Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello! Hello! Do you know how I knew you were ready to go then? Because I took my glasses off. Took your glasses off, glasses come off, I know you mean business. Yep. Also, when your glasses go on, I know you mean business. <laughs> I just always mean business, basically. Yeah. Mm. I've been doing a lot of that at the moment because um, since my surgery, my regular glasses don't work. Mm. So I've got these ones. Uh, how much do you think these cost? Well, they're very nice. I'm going to go 150. Right. Uh, They were one of three pairs that I got for 12 pounds off Amazon. Three for 12 pounds? Yeah. Wow, they're very nice. But I can only wear them for distance. So as soon as I need to do anything like ring, uh, to do anything like read Mm. or write, I have to whip them off. But also it looks like I'm, um, I'm being pensive or something. Yeah. Or making a point, being mm, emphatic. Yeah, it does. Or just like pointing the uh, the arm. We don't have to do that bit. But no. <laughs> but you are. I don't think I do that well. <laughs> do you reckon, do, do I look completely different? Is it like a Superman situation where you would never recognise me? When you take your glasses yeah. off? I, I would recognise you, okay. but you do look different. Yeah. Um, it's like there's something missing. My glasses, yeah, I think it is, yeah. yeah. I've been at the opticians today. I spent a lot of time at eye hospital, mm. optician and so on at the moment. And... Um, I had to do a sight test. And I feel like I have got really good at the bit. You know where people talk about feeling obliged when they say which ones, which, when do the dots look clearer, Uh, this one or this one? I I feel that these days, instead of picking one to please them, Mm. I will just say, I'm going to be honest with you, I I think they look pretty much the same. Oh, that shows experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? But I'll tell you what, has not changed in all the years that I've been going to the opticians. Mm. When they show me the letters, I am always straining to read the smallest possible line, mm. like I'm trying to impress them. <laughs> like, like it, a bit like it's a competition. Like it's a competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the, 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 the smaller the letters I can read, mm. the better I can do. So I'm going on that bottom line. It's a B that might be an X, I think. <laughs> then probably a C, but it could be an O. And then I think there. that's an S. <laughs> and the more I think about this, the more I think that is a terrible thing to do. Mm. Because surely by 
squinting and just about being able to make out tiny letters, I am not setting myself up to get the right prescription. No, because you're trying too hard. Yeah. They should say to you beforehand, don't try too hard. Yes. Yeah. But they never do. It's like no. they sort of encourage you. Oh, no. So um so I've been busy doing that today. It smells it smells bad in here Suddenly, all of a sudden. Suddenly, yeah. It? It's from your bathroom, I believe. Am I right? Something going on with that toilet. Yeah. I've opened a window, but uh mm. I apologize. Mm. Nearly soiled myself on Hampstead Heath today. Did you? Yeah, but I didn't, so it's not a story. I don't know why I brought it okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of interested how it was averted, but maybe not that interested. Do you want me to tell you? Go on then. Went to the toilet. <laughs> you found a toilet. But was it we all want to know, is it a bush or was it an actual no, toilet? No, no. So my wife was goading me to go in a bush. Mm, goading you. Bet she was. Because in her family, as I said before, it's normal, mm. yeah. The world is their toilet. But I um I, I refuse to uh, refuse to join in with that that kind of thing. Um, so I do this thing where, unfortunately, there's there's no early warning system in my body anymore. Right. This has largely been true for most of my adult life, but in my fifties, um, having a nice day, it's all fine. Don't need to go to the toilet. Oh dear, need to go now, otherwise a, a situation is going to develop. Mm. And and the only way I can avert this, have you ever been with me when this has happened? I just sort of stand bolt upright yes. where I am. Yeah, and you don't move. Like I'm playing musical statues. Yeah, yeah. And I'm clenching my buttocks oh. very tight and just um, like contracting my sphincter. I, I, it's probably... And you can't talk. You have to really concentrate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is so, like, every, so every muscle of your body is involved. Yeah. yeah. And then something happens... Whereby doing that, I buy myself some extra seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. to perambulate in the direction of the toilet. You go, okay, I think I can go now. Yeah, then you, then and, you, and yeah. I would rather do that for an hour than go and do it in a bush. Oh, okay, okay. I'd rather just slowly make my way. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Okay. I don't know why I brought that up, really. Well, I quite enjoyed it. Do you know what I think people are probably pining for? Mm. Last week when I just held my hands up and said, look, I've got nothing. I've got absolutely nothing. So I'm just going to leave it to Annabelle and you, the drifters, and it'll be better for it. People are thinking, you know what, Jeff, you should do that more often. (laughs) The other thing that happened to me this week was I went out for a meal the other day with, with uh, with my wife. And... At some point, I had to leave the restaurant to go outside and go to the uh, and go on the telephone mm. um, to, to the babysitter or something. While I was on the phone to the babysitter, a man. This is about eleven o'clock at night in Soho in London. It's a busy night. A man comes up to me, going, uh, "Do you uh, do you need any refreshments? Do you need any refreshments?" I think so there were no visible refreshments. Mm. He didn't have um, like a mini fridge with him on wheels or anything right. like that. He's saying he thinks a code. code yes, code. I think yeah. he's trying to sell me drugs. Wow, he thought that you'd want drugs. How exciting! Yeah, yeah. look at me. I must. Wow. I must look either like a, a cool nightlife hedonist type of person, mm. or you know, like the um, like the the more unpleasant underbelly of what drug use can look like yeah i suspect it's the latter mm. i was just mouth mouthing to him politely <laughs> no i'm fine thanks. Well, thanks i think it's weird to come and offer somebody drugs when you're on the phone I mean, what if mm. i put on the phone to the police <laughs> yeah, that would be a big mistake I was just having a chat with the police mm. um so so that happened to me do you think i should be flattered or not flattered 
I'm going to go. It depends on whether he was going with version A or version B. And seeing as I think we all think it might have been version B, not flooded. <laughs> all right, shall we hear from the drifters? Let's. First one is Simone. Annabelle's recent fancy baths experience brought back an incident so horrific it's been buried deep in the vaults of my mind. When I was 19, I went on my first mate's holiday to Turkey. A gang of us had picked a resort and one of the features of the hotel was that they offered traditional Turkish massages in their authentic baths. Being fairly new to this friendship group and keen to show I was up for a laugh and for them to like me, when one of them suggested going for a massage, I immediately said yes. On the day of the massage, we arrived at the baths to be greeted by two male masseurs. They were young, gym-bodied, semi-naked and wearing towels and instructed us to wear the same with bathing suits kept on and to head into the nearby sweaty tiled room when ready. Once dressed, we entered the room to see that the two young masseurs had been joined by a third, older, grumpier, hairier, rounder-looking fellow. Old Grumpy seemed to be the boss and told us which table we were to go and lie on. I was instructed to lie on the table, not near my friends, but on the other side of the baths and was followed by Old Grumpy, who then began the procedure. To this day, I still don't understand the decision-making process behind the reasons for what Masseur was given to whom. I'm fairly tall and taller than my friends and the table was quite wide. My masseuse, am I saying masseuse? I keep thinking I'm saying it wrong. Masseuse, is that right? I think it's masseuse. Masseuse. I became very, very self-conscious about it. My masseuse, (laughs) old Grumpy, was a lot shorter than the other two masseuses and seemed to really struggle to navigate around the table. This was evident at the amount of times he had to reach over to massage different areas while standing on a step. The first time this happened, I felt his sweaty, hairy belly press against my back as he reached (laughs) over for some sort of oil and I visibly jerked my body and let out a tiny gasp. (laughs) Problem? He said, oh, no, no, you just made me jump. I quietly replied. He carried on reaching for items over the other side of the table and continued to rest his sweaty, hairy belly on my back. I was hating this. My two friends seemed in total bliss and yet over my side, my shoulders had become so clenched it could be visibly seen that I was uncomfortable. Another tap on the shoulder. Is okay? He asked. Yes, yes, fine. (laughs) I whispered. This was awful. I was hating every minute of being aggressively pummeled and covered in another human sweat. And what was even worse was I couldn't hide that I was hating it. (laughs) The massage seemed to go on forever and the pressure had gone from medium to a lot harder. My body was tense and I couldn't relax the grimace from my face. I started (laughs) to panic. Another tap on my shoulder. I'm fine. I'm fine. I protested, only this time I'd underestimated the volume in which I should reply. And what was meant to be quiet came out as shouting. Old Grumpy was startled. He stepped back and meekly replied, no, it's finished. Had I just shouted at him? This was awful. I could feel eyes burning on me and I started to panic even more. I got off the table. Old Grumpy stood holding a towel and began to reach around my waist in order to wrap the towel around me. Thank you, I whimpered. No response. His face crestfallen. That was lovely, I said cheerily. Still no response. I started sweating. I'd clearly upset him. This was awful. What was I going to do? What happened next still upsets me to think about to this day. In my blind panic, my brain told me that what I had to do was the right thing to do in this, that what I was to do was what was the right thing to do in such situations. I leaned forward, bent down, 
extended both arms and embraced my sweaty, hairy masseuse in a cuddle. (laughs) Frozen to the spot, old Grumpy didn't move. A stunned silence filled the room. A voice then broke the tension. What on earth are you doing? (laughs) I looked up to see stunned faces staring at us in our embrace. I froze and felt the towel (laughs) drop to my feet as the masseuse struggled with some force out of my clinch. He looked at me, petrified, and wagged his finger on my face and slowly said, No, I have wife. (laughs) Needless to say, that was the beginning of my descent into full drifterism, never to partake in a massage or mate's holiday ever again. Oh, that's tremendous. Isn't it just? Okay, one more. Yeah. This is from CQ. Oh, and the subject line is drifter versus drifter. (laughs) Oh, and CQ discovered us when she was missing Firecrotch and Normcore in the break between seasons. So it's a crossover from that. So she writes, I say she, it could be a he, I don't know. I think it's Caroline Quentin. Oh, (laughs) today I was out walking my dog at the park. A big one, Sydney's version of Hyde Park. And a man was staring at me slash us in a non-creepy but odd way. It was awkward. As I got closer and passed him, he made a feeble attempt to small talk. Of course, I just kept on walking. After I crossed the road, which he did too, he asked me questions about my dog's breed. Now, like you, Annabelle, I too, lo- too, I too love my dog and can talk endlessly about him, which of course I did. Insert your own version of this one-sided conversation. I don't wish to inflict the tedium of it on you. The man then walked off in front of me and it turned out I was heading the same way. He wasn't much further ahead of me, so I regaled him with some more facts. He stopped walking and partook in the sequel of our orky-talkies before turning around and walking off in the opposite direction, the very direction he'd come from. I kept walking and crossed another road into a field of the park where I spied him in the process of taking a 150-metre route back to his car, which had only (gasps) been parked 10 10 metres from where the orky-talkies part two had occurred. (laughs) He was going out of his way just to ensure he didn't meet me again. What a drifter. I'm just writing down the phrase orky-talkies because I think that that is something that we should... should it's so good i I did look it up and it is a thing Uh uh-huh i don't think it was invented by cq but it is the most perfect phrase i've ever heard so good so many orky talkies in my life (laughs) so many please share yours the email address hello at adriftpodcast.com Okay, Annabelle. Yes. Shall we have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult? So last week, it was half term here in the UK. The kids are off school for a week. And I went out for the day shopping with my 14-year-old niece and my mum. My niece and I had to take a tube train to meet my mum. And because she's not got a bank card or an Oyster card, I had to buy her a ticket at the station. I honestly don't know when I last did this. Can you remember when you last bought a ticket at a tube station? No. I mean, they still have machines. But it was surely, for me, over a decade ago, if not two decades ago. Did you not have like a spare card you could give her? I tried. I I thought I had two cards, but one of them, yeah... I'm, I'm leading you down a con- con- yeah, conversation. It's, it's very boring, but I, I can use it with a pin, but I couldn't tap it for some, because it's new. Uh, anyway, it's boring. It's boring uh, reason, because it's a new card. Anyway, 
So I'm, I'm trying to use this long period of ticket machine abstinence as an excuse for what follows when I do try and use this machine. Honestly, it's like I'm 106. <laughs> like I've never used a single piece of technology in my life. Haven't even got a remote control for the TV at home. The closest I've ever got to technology is that I used to have an electric carving knife, but only my long dead husband ever used it because I was scared of it. <laughs> and this 106 year old me also has very poor eyesight, huge fat fingers, like ginormous, like jumbo sausages. <laughs> and had had a nasty bump to the head about an hour ago and is probably concussed. And I also had a very large car heavy lunch and feeling a bit groggy from that oh and I'm Latvian and can't speak or read English <laughs> so this is what I was like I mean, the noises I was making as I, I was think I've been behind screen. that person at the self-service oh, checkout before oh now god it was a combination of what uh huh oh no on repeat <laughs> or rather Cass uh huh oh yeah as I'm Latvian of course <laughs> The first time... <laughs> how, how long did that take you? I was very quick, just a Google translation. The first... Did you do it all at once or did you do every word individually? No, I just did the like, what and the no. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't bother doing the uh, uh okay, and oh. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I should have done yeah. The first time I managed to get near the end of a very lengthy transaction... The ticket cost £20. We were only going three stops. <laughs> so I tried again. Same again. My niece then pointed out I was accidentally buying an adult and a child ticket when I didn't need one because I was tapping in and out of my bank card. So I tried to cancel the adult one, but ended up cancelling the whole thing and had oh. to start again. And then I was buying an adult, not a child, when I needed a child. Honestly, it was it was so terrible. Finally... I've got the right ticket on the machine, but I'm so flustered that when I go to pay, I can't remember my pin and it's not contactless on the machine. And it cancels the whole thing and I have to start all the way from the beginning again. I mean, thank God I've got this different car with me. And I've had that pin since I was 16, 32 years ago. So I do remember that. And this whole time I'm doing it, I've got my 14-year-old niece with me who is watching on with horror and embarrassment. (laughs) And I'm realising this is like when I was in my early 20s and I was with my dad using a cash point for the first time, which was a very similar process, but lightened by the fact he applauded when the money came out. (laughs) And I realised that I felt like he was really old then, but he would have only been in his 50s, Mm. a decade which I'm fast approaching. (laughs) I felt so old. And it's not helped by the fact... Did you watch um, Race Across the World, the Canada one? No, I've never oh, seen it. Oh, it's so good. So one of the couples was two women. And every time we'd watch it, Tom would call them Tom would call them the two old women. When they are 48 and 49, <laughs> the same age as me and the same age as his girlfriend, as I like to remind Tom regularly. Oh, the whole thing was both mortifying and depressing. And my niece was clearly embarrassed of me. And it didn't help also that on the train, I was trying to text my mum, but I left my glasses at home. So I was making a right old mess of that too, like misspelling and deleting and starting again. I think my niece just wanted to go home at this point. So when we got to the shopping centre, I had to try on loads of crop tops and cargo trousers to feel young again. (laughs) Didn't buy any though, don't worry. (laughs) Uh, more of that on your Substack. Oh yes, my Substack, AnnabellePort.substack.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. So, you know, I've been doing the other podcast, the Succession podcast. Yes. We did a live show in London and it was the, the week of the finale. And we were worried that um, nobody would buy tickets. So my wife, with whom I co-host that podcast, said, hey, everyone, if you come along, if you buy a ticket, we can all hang out in the bar afterwards and, and talk about Succession. And straight away, the, the colour drained from my face because as much as I really appreciate people listening to it, the thought of them meeting me and and me having to make small talk with them and them soon realising what an uncomfortable, unpleasant social presence I am, it, it just filled me with horror. But mm. but we were in. So even as it, as it turned out, this thing sold out very quickly, but I was just very nervous about the, uh, the, the drinks afterwards. Mm-hmm. So the night comes and we were really lucky in that, at, at the last minute, uh, one of the writers of the show, one of the executive producers of the show, Lucy Preble, uh, said that she'd come and be our guest at the show. Lovely. And um, when when she was on stage, she was talking about, uh, Sarah was asking her um, about a situation where you get stuck talking to somebody at a social event mm. and then somebody comes and rescues you. Right. And there is a parallel in the TV show where uh, one of the characters is stuck in a conversation and somebody comes over and says, hi, I'm part of your extraction team and takes them away from the social Mm. awkward situation, right? So the idea being that it's a little Mm in-joke amongst the people who work on that show that if you get stuck talking to somebody boring, um, one of the others comes along and helps you out and says, I'm part of your extraction team. Right. And that has somehow made itself made its way into the show. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And there's a, I know that's a lot of um, uh, it's a lot of heavy lifting on background, but you, <laughs> you need it for what follows. Okay, okay. Afterwards, I am in the bar and I am having a really nice conversation with some people. Good. Okay? Mm-hmm. And um, and and I am being I don't know if I'm being socially competent, but they they certainly are being. I'm enjoying uh, talking to them about the podcast, about the the TV show, and and so on. And um, as this is happening, somebody comes over to me, my friend who's working, who's been working with us on the show, and says, "Oh, hi, I'm part of your extraction team." Right. And what she's telling me really is that Lucy, our guest, is is about to leave and wants to say goodbye. Right, right. So I say, oh, right. Um, and then I say to the people, I'm sorry, I just have to pop off. At which point one of them says, oh, did she just say that she's part of your extraction team? Oh, right. And and the answer is yes, she did. She did, yes. But I'm, that's it was just a little in joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason yeah. I'm leaving mm. is because I need to go and say goodbye to a guest. Mm. But, of course, that just sounds like a lie. That sounds like 
I've given somebody the nod <laughs> to come over, like I'm high and mighty, yeah. and like I'm the president or something. <laughs> and then you've got someone you can give that, a nod that, to. Yeah, 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 I've got somebody who comes over and speaks uh. in this wink, wink, nudge, nudge code. Oh. I'm having a boring conversation. Rescue me. Yeah, yeah. It was so excruciating. Oh, no. I just went and sat in the toilet for 20 minutes. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So the, that, that was um, one terrible thing that happened to me this week. The The other one relates to a different live show that happened this weekend. Um, the other podcast that I do, the one with Ed Miliband, Reasons to be Cheerful, mm-hmm. we did a show at the Royal Shakespeare Theatre in Stratford-upon- Avon. Oh, when you say Stratford, I thought you meant Stratford East London. No, oh, home nice. Of, um, home of the uh, the much lamented, um, much missed Phoenix Festival. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, which nobody in Stratford remembered. Oh what? I said to them last time I was here, I threw up into uh, threw up in a bin in the supermarket at the Phoenix Festival in 1993 or whatever it was, and mm. nobody seemed to remember that. But no. um, anyway, so we did this live show, and our guest was, I don't quite know how we swung it, but it was just brilliant, it was David Tennant. Great. So, fast forward to after the show. I am um, I'm ready to go. I leave via the stage door exit at the back of the theatre and there are a number of autograph hunters. Oh. And um, you know, lots of people... David Tennant has already left by this stage, mm. but the people are hanging around, like sort of still high on the thrill of having got in his autograph or had it had their photograph taken with him um and they think oh, i'm gonna bag me ed Miliband as well mm. now ed is one of these people who it, it, almost like in a puppy dog kind of way he never tires of meeting people like i've known like i've, I've known people over the years who are like a little bit famous and they can feel it's a real invasion, an invasion um, of their privacy, or there's a point at which they don't want to do that kind of thing. Ed just wants to meet everybody, <laughs> so and nice. Ed's the sort of person who would be chasing, saying, "Oh, did you want, did you want another <laughs> photo? This one, you know." <laughs> right. So, all these people are kind of um, having the picture taken with him too. And then what happens is, because I'm just there like a spare part, I feel like some people get pity photos with me as well. A pity photo. Yes. Oh, this is terrible. Yeah. You know, you, I, I can almost feel them deleting it the second <laughs> they've taken it or taking a picture with me and Ed together mm. and thinking, oh, if I just um, frame it wide enough, I'll be able to crop him out oh. and you'll, you'll never be able to tell he was in, in it the first place. Uh, in amongst that, w- weirdly, there were a couple of people who were drifters who like listen to radio show for 20 years so so that was nice but apart from them too mm-hmm. everybody else it was some version of pity photo okay. which culminates in a woman coming up to me the reason we were there is part of a live at the rsc festival and there's a bunch of different podcasts doing live oh, shows okay. there and she has got a poster with the names of everybody appearing mm. so it's just like names from everybody from comedians you would have heard of podcasters ed miller band so on it's like this enormous list of names she comes up to me with a pen and goes uh well i think uh well i suppose i've I've vaguely heard your name somewhere so you could sign this for me is that how she phrased it that's exactly how she phrased it i think i might have vaguely heard your name yeah 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 i suppose you'd better yeah yeah. what is wrong with this person i said to her what a lovely thing to hear (laughs) what a wonderful thing to hear it's made me really want to grab that pen and write my name thank you yeah but that's where my self-esteem is today oh 
a woman coming up to me and saying, yeah, uh, I think I've vaguely heard your name somewhere, so I suppose you could sign it too. It's like you got a pity signature. <laughs> yes, yeah. <Aww>. Yeah. <laughs> but it also felt like it was putting her out a little. Yeah. But she thought, well, I better oh, had. Oh, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> All right, quandary corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic Annabelle. First one from Tom. Myself and my wife, who is definitely not a drifter but has some drifterish tendencies, work as teachers in a primary school. The fact that we live in the town we teach in affords us something akin to minor celebrity status. Many of the families of the children we teach live very close to us, some of them on our road. This means that every time we leave our flat, there is an 80% chance that we will see one of the children we teach. For a non-drifter, this probably doesn't seem like a big deal. You see a child that you teach, smile, say hello and keep walking. My wife has certainly mastered this. But as a drifter, this poses many, many problems for me. The fact that I can at any time suddenly be presented with a child and even worse, their family and have to engage in small talk fills me with dread. I don't mind seeing the children too much. They rarely want to say anything beyond a quick hello and then move on. Most of them, like me, have no interest in any communication beyond a smile and a nod. But on several occasions, the parents have engaged me in conversation as if we actually know each other. This I find incredibly difficult. If I'm out and see a friend I've known for years, I have to take a breath and prepare myself for the interaction. The idea of small talk with someone who I only know because I teach their child makes me feel panicked. I've recently taken to constantly scanning my environment whilst walking through the town, one hand in pocket, ready to pull out my phone and stare at the screen so I can pretend I haven't seen them and therefore avoid these interactions. But surely this isn't a long-term strategy. Just this morning, I noticed a family walking towards me, one of them being a child in my class, and I turned and pulled my phone out so quickly that I was at very (laughs) real risk of getting whiplash. If I can't avoid the interactions, if they appear suddenly round a corner or something, I find myself addressing everything I say to the child, which at best looks weird and at worst could be interpreted as sinister. How can I make walking around the town I live in more comfortable? Do I need to move? Should I become a full-on recluse? Or do I just need to get over my fear of small talk with strangers and accept that conversations with parents is part of the job, even if it's while I'm queuing for a coffee or have a drink in the pub? I've always wondered mm. when I've seen my son's teacher out of school whether she wants to have a conversation with me. It's good to know the answer that she probably doesn't. Yes, it's really because I, I often feel obliged and it's because I want them to think that I'm great. You're and the then, best, yeah. you know. But now me. I know she just wants to say hello and move on. I mean, I think from your point of view, the, 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 um, sorry, the person who wrote in, Tom. Tom. I don't know why that fell out of my head. Sorry, Tom. I th- think the trick is to keep moving. This is what the Beatles would do, you see. They kept moving um, during Beatlemania with the mm. fans and things. Uh, if you keep moving, the the interaction is going to be brief. I think that's the key. I just had a flashback to one time when I saw my son's teacher in the street when I was without my son. In fact, it was during the school day and I was a bit like like perplexed as to why she was just walking around the streets when she should have been at school. And so I can applaud slightly, but she she power walked on and then looked back and made a joke. And I was like, oh, that's how to do it, isn't it? Yeah. Or warmth. 
You want to go yeah, oh. b- big, warm. Yeah, yeah. But keep moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't stop. Yes. Okay. Ah, I think that's the key, isn't yes. it? Yes. But it might take a bit of practice. It might, but mm. I think you'll get there with it. Yeah, yeah. And you've got the phone as a prop. Yeah, yeah. Until then. Great. Okay. Well, that was easily solved. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to the next one from Jane. Please, can you help me with a swimming related quandary? I know in the past you've nobly tried to tackle the nightmare that is swim lane etiquette, but this is a kind of swim lane social interaction gone awry mashup. I have three kids, including a toddler at home, so it's very hard to find time in my week to do any kind of exercise. A few months ago, my workplace launched a policy allowing us to take a slightly extended lunch break once a week for well-being activities. I decided to take advantage and go for a swim. I've been going for a few weeks now, and whilst I'm really enjoying the swim, a problem has occurred. I'm not a speedy swimmer, so I've been booking the slow lane. Most of the other swimmers seem to be regulars and say hi to each other and know each other's names and ask about their partners, pets, kids, etc. They have long involved conversations whilst bobbing in the shallow end. They've all been very friendly to me, but with the best will in the world, I'm there to swim and get some exercise, not chat. I've managed to limit most interactions to a smile, a nod or a non-committal comment while swimming past. I've also managed to perfect a look of steely determination and focus whilst I swim, as if I'm training for the Olympics or something. This has been largely successful, except for one lady who is convinced every time I see her that I'm her friend Jodie. My name is not Jodie. It's quite awkward because she stops her swim and starts trying to chat to me and I feel bad not talking to her. I thought after this happened twice, she would realise I'm not her friend Jodie and maybe revert to a friendly nod or smile or hot enough for you. (laughs) But no, we keep having the same conversation where I explain that I'm not her friend Jodie and she tells me how much I look like her friend Jodie. And then she remarks how annoying it must be for me that she keeps thinking I'm Jodie. I'm never sure what to say. Watching her interact with other pool users, I've come to suspect that she now knows I'm not Jodie, but is trying to learn my name without directly asking. She's clearly a bubbly lady who likes chatting to people, and I imagine she likes hosting parties. She wouldn't be out of place as the landlady of a stereotypical East End pub. (laughs) I'm not averse to sharing my name, but I feel it would be the gateway to her stopping me for frequent chats during my swim. My work timetable is quite busy and my local pool is still operating quite restrictive slots after COVID. So there really is only one slot on one day of the week I can go. Swimming is definitely a happy place for me and I'm somewhat restricted on what activities I can do because of hip problems. She's counting, she's like obviously got an answer for all the things we're about to say here. I've even risked looking like someone who thinks they can swim better than they can and put the medium lane last time I went and she still caught me. What can I do? How can I politely say to this lady, I really don't want to become one of her swim bodies? How long can I keep ignoring her attempts to find out my name? I mean, the answer to this is keep swimming. It was the same answer. Yeah. Just like, still not Jody. Yo. Then you've got your joke. Yeah. Still not Jody. Oh, perfection. Yeah. Perfection. Otherwise, mm. um, swim pods, is that what you call them? Never heard of them. Um, they're like AirPods, the little earbuds that you put in, but for the waterproof, and you can swim in them. I want them. Well, I don't think. From what I understand, so a, a friend of mine who is um, hold on a minute, so, where's your phone? I don't know. <laughs> no, or is it called a swim P three player? Oh, that would make more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, let me. I'm going to have to look this up now. But I've mm. got a friend who isn't flashed with the cash or anything, so it's not like this is um, a really expensive. Mm. 
um, gadgets. Are they when, yellow? I hope they're yellow. Well, if they're water, but they would mm. have to be, wouldn't they? Because yellow things are, yeah. Um, oh, I'm looking at them. They are pretty expensive, actually. Uh, the first ones that came up are like 130. Oh, no. Hang on. Waterproof MP3 player, £25.26. Okay. That's, that's right. money when well spent, isn't it? And then you may, well, the first time you can do that thing where you point to them. Yes. Sorry, can't yeah. hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still yeah. not Jody. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. We all sorted. I think we did a great job. You, you did a great <laughs> job today. <laughs> Keep swimming. Keep walking. <laughs> yep. Jog on. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner or if you have a story for us, the email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man in the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music, Carla Gowlett, Capotes, Vitos. I said that weirdly, didn't yeah, I? Nice. Uh, Kim Rainey did our artwork. And what uh, should I finish with this week? The quote from this week's episode I have chosen is No, I have wife. Okay, this comes from Emily Austin, who says, Hello. 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 I would like to podcast an episode to my sister Lucy, the only person I have so far successfully recommended the podcast to. We both listened to the radio show, and when I discovered the podcast, I had to tell Lucy straight away. We're both dedicated listeners and would like to say we both enjoyed Mug Chat. Oh, thank you. Someone loved Validated. Yes. It wasn't just us. No. <laughs> I'm hoping this will be read out as close to the 10th of June as possible, as that's Lucy's birthday. I'm not sure it will get me out of buying her a present, but my birthday is the day after hers, so it will also be a little birthday treat for myself to hear it read out. Having our birthdays a day apart was great for a couple of drifters growing up, as it meant we were able to share the pain of having happy birthday sung at us in restaurants and at parties especially during those awkward teenage years when our biggest nightmare was having a room full of people stare at us. Shudder. (laughs) Um, uh, We've made it through numerous awkward drifter situations together, like the awkward silence of a friend not knowing what to say to us after catching us heading into the cinema on a glorious summer's day. What could be better than enjoying a film in a cinema without other people there to ruin it, spending time with other people in the sun, apparently. I agree. Mm. Love the cinema on a hot day. More recently, and far more hideously, along with our younger sister and my husband, being shouted at by an entire crowd of people who thought we were queue jumpers as we joined a crowd making their way to a queue for a day's music festival. Other people were also joining the moving crowd, but we must have stood out as easy targets and they took their frustrations out on us. Oh, that's the worst. Yes. 
Uh, what did we do? Adopted the port protocol and pretended it wasn't happening, of yes. course. Good, 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 good. <laughs> uh, we're going to the same festival a week after our birthdays. It's April as I write this, and I'm already feeling anxious about getting back in that queue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our family is not in the business of being gushy over each other. We prefer sarcasm and a punch in the arm. Uh, there are a few nice things I could talk about, uh, such as her doing... A career 183 years ago, retraining as a speech and language therapist whilst working full time, 12 years after completing a degree in the subject, but never actually working as one and learning to drive at the same time. But I won't (laughs) mention any of that. No, let's not stray close to earnestness. Um, Anyway, happy birthday, Lucy. Love that. Nice. Well, thrilled that you're still with us yeah the both of you thrilled mm. that you uh you got lucy onto the podcast emily and uh i hope it was a wonderful birthday or it is it's not happened yet is it for, for lucy so there we go latest edition of the podcast podicated to lucy and if you'd like a podication email us hello at adriftpodcast.com Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.